Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Banish to the Pen podcast. This is the official podcast of the website BanishToThePen.com, which is a group baseball blog managed by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. I'm Brandon Lee. I'm an editor and writer at BanishToThePen.com, and I'm really glad you could join us today. Uh, you might notice that I'm not Ryan Sullivan of NatsGM.com, and he is also the Baron of All Baseball podcasts. Uh, but Ryan has taken a step back from the Banish to the Pen pods, but he's still an incredible friend of the program, and we absolutely endorse his main gig, the Nats GM podcast, where you can listen to his latest episode with another friend of Banish to the Pen, Rob Maines, um, where they talk about a deadline and Sabre seminar. Uh, it's great. Check it out. Um, but uh, as for us tonight, I'm really happy that we're joined by two returning guests and friends of Banish to the Pen. First off, I want to introduce Nick Strangis of Banish to the Pen, coming at you from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm, I'm all right, too. I'm all right, too. Thanks, Nick. Uh, I also want to introduce Mike Barlucci of Over the Monster and the Return to Oz Minute podcast, coming at you from Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, Mike. What's up? Hey, uh, doing doing good. Glad to be back here talking some baseball. Yeah, baseball. Baseball is a thing. Um, Nick, I I want to recognize that you have been a little bit out of commission lately because you're a new dad. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, yeah, six months, and you would think at six months you'd get some time to you know pursue some baseball writing in my downtime, but I mean. It, it, I don't know, it's been fun, like, you just, it, it's, the thing all my friends said when they had kids was, like, you just want to spend all your time with the kid, and it's true, so, so far, um, you know, I've been pretty lucky, and um, we hope that uh, she'll continue to be, ha- uh, you know, happy and, and healthy and, and sleep to the night like she does now, so it's it's been good, appreciate it. Of course. Uh, I do want to ask, what are you doing to bring her up with baseball? Are you raising a little Cubs fan down in Georgia? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, so far, let's see. So she has at least two onesies that are Cubs, you know, onesies. Um, I'd say the only thing I, I don't, like, turn her around, if she if she starts, you know, paying too much attention to the TV, uh, is watching Cubs games. So Cubs games are okay, everything else. Um, I don't know what a six-month-old can actually pick up on a TV, but um, I'm only willing to let her watch, you know, sporting events because I think we all, all can agree that, you know, watching people doing things is okay. So there's that. Particularly if they're doing baseball things. That's right, baseball things. Javier Baez things, those are always good things. Ah, of course, of course, yeah. Javier Baez things, definitely. Uh, Mike, a thing that's been going on in your life is that you were at Saber Seminar. Yes. Uh, after taking a, a few years, few years off, it, I mean it's a local Boston institution now. But uh, the last time I was there, Bobby Valentine was still manager of the Red Sox, uh, and now it feels like ages ago. Yes. And this year, ex-GM Ben Sherrington was also a speaker. So it's, it was <laughs> that like... also feels like ages ago, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like he was there so long ago. He seemed to be uh, in pretty good spirits. Didn't look as stressed as he did when he would be interviewed by, by the Red Sox press. Uh, he had a great talk about how he's... Uh, the new things he's doing in Toronto and trying to figure out kind of player... Not, not chemistry exactly, but that sort of interpersonal play and personality, and how how that is either something you can teach or what's innate. And it sounds like he's he's doing some interesting some interesting work. We'll see we'll see if the Blue Jays get uh, get any results out of it. So he's he's VP of Baseball Ops in in Toronto. So does he have, but that's not, that's not like a GM role, is it? No, he's, he's like, or is uh, he above that? I guess he's one of many people that they've put together kind of the, uh, like the brain trust model. I see. He's, he's working a little more, 
I think a little more like what he was doing before he became GM with the Red Sox. Kind of farm and prospecting and sort of player, you know, in a player development role of, of sorts. Uh, he hinted that they're doing lots of exciting research that he can't talk about. So it you know, sounds like a always, good gig. They can never talk about it. They can never <laughs> talk about it. I will note the current Blue Jays general manager, Ross Atkins, was drafted by the Florida Marlins in the 1994 Major League draft but did not sign. Um, the the thing to note here is that he was drafted in the very nice 69th round. Nice. Of course. <laughs> Mike, did you have a favorite a favorite seminar or a favorite workshop, favorite presentation at Saber? Other than I mean, other than of course, other than of course the live pod. Yeah, the, the live pod is great. Uh, I guess to split it into the two aspects of Saber Seminar, uh, the, my, my favorite kind of presentation of what, well, Alan Nathan is always, is always great. Uh, he was look, looking at the home, uh, the home run effect and taking a different, different idea with, uh, the shape of the ball. And it, that was just crazy physics. Uh, but the slightly more practical I could wrap my head around, uh, Matt Pettit uh, did a, a segment called Bouncing Back, which hitters can flip an 0-2 count and which pitchers can flip a 3-0 count. That was fascinating, looking at uh, how different guys are able to, to come back from kind of the bad situation. Though it wasn't always, it wasn't always who you'd expect, and... Sometimes I, I think maybe it was Carl Crawford was like the best at that until he just became terrible. That's interesting. So it's not always who you'd expect, but does it have a tendency to be the same players? Yeah. Because uh, I, I think I think it was Crawford, Pablo Sandoval were were in in the leaders for for years, um, and the. the if I, if I recall correctly, the batters were more consistent. Some of the pitchers were guys that you like. You might be able to dig them out of your mind from a bullpen, you know, four years ago. <laughs> yeah. But then the other, on the other side of the the storytelling, kind of behind the scenes talking with executives, uh, Rick Rick Hahn had a lot of interesting comments on what he. I mean, again. As, as GM of the White Sox, what he can say and what he can't say. Uh, but the challenges of trying to rebuild and what it means when you're trading, you know, Chris Sale and Jose Quintana and uh, Adam Eaton? Or is that? Yes. yes there was a yes, second. That's Adam right. Eaton. Adam yeah. Yes. Not yeah. The, out, the outfielder, Adam Eaton, not the pitcher, Adam. Yes. And. Someone asked a really interesting question about what you do as an, a baseball executive when you're making when you have to make a trade without a computer or a room of people with you. Huh. And like he had a, a short story that I think I guess Kenny Williams was still the GM, and it was maybe over Christmas or right at, right around the GM meetings or, or or something. And he got a call, and he calls he called Rick and asked. Uh, what they thought of a what he thought of a prospect that another team was asking for in in the deal, and he he talked for a few minutes, I guess, about oh, you know, I think he think he's good, you know, opinions have been mixed. I talk, you know, but I don't really know too much about him. And then said, I honestly have never heard of this guy. And <laughs> the moral of the story was he became he was a prospect who became nothing, so it was fine. <laughs> That neither of them had heard of the guy that another team had scouted and was like, we definitely need this guy in the trade. <laughs> so, oh, man. So I was like, that's, that's interesting. Because there's, I mean, there's, these farm systems are so deep. Uh, and there's going to be some 16 or 18-year-old kid that another team has had a scout look at and it's like, he's the next guy. And... You know, maybe maybe they become something, but 
if they don't become anything in the future, I guess you can just look back and tell it as an anecdote and be like, oh yeah, you know, who would do that? Oh man. How was the live podcast recording? Well, uh, Ben, uh, ben came in a little bit after I, I got there. Obviously, it was a standing ovation. The crowd went wild. No, uh, he just kind of just kind of walked in, just like a normal guy. It's just like us. And, you know, he, he, got, he, and, uh, he and Jeff got set up. And uh, obviously, if you've listened, uh, they, they talked to Dave Bush. And that was great. And I, I felt, you know, right along with Ben, you know, grabbing him in fantasy drafts. It's like this is awesome. He's talking to Dave. Bush, I think I've, he's done, telling I think him, I've like, done that too. I think I've done that too. I mean, that Cato walk was ridiculous for a few years. It was great. It was it was so exciting to see the podcast in person and just see Ben and Jeff there. It was been weird to actually watch like their reactions live as they're happening and not, you know. Um, just have it be a, a, a matter of having to wait for some kind of audio cue as to how they're feeling about what they're hearing. Um, like when I'd hear Sam laugh, but when he was on the podcast, that was always like, they kind of like bookmarked that episode in my mind because it was always a distinctive thing when they do something that made Sam laugh. Usually it was the minor league draft, but um, I don't know. So you, did you get, did was there some kind of like actual like, were they kind of physically involved? Like, did they get up on the mic at all, or was it more just kind of laid back? I think uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think Jeff was a little more laid back. Ben kind of moved moved back and forth a bit. I don't know. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't super animated. Uh, I I also had heard Ben guest on the the Star Wars Minute podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, which, he did. Uh, which is just, he was in. During episode two, yeah, he was a celebrity, uh, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think I don't know if he was asked because of being like a name, a person who, you know, of note. Um, it was also during a period when they were bringing on uh, Patreon guests, um, but I'm guessing they just brought him in because he writes for The Ringer. You know, I mean, he's. Kind of a, a guy. He's kind of a guy. He also <laughs> he also wrote the uh, he wrote that article for the Ringer on minute by minute pods that and that oh, was okay. that, was, well, that hey. was a connection facilitated by um, Banish to the Pen editor and podcast producer Ken Maeda. Nice. So we get so we um, have Ken to thank for that. Yeah. For, yeah. That <laughs> that he got a good episode too because stuff happens. He didn't have to talk about the Anakin, um, you know, like trying to be romantic oh, scenes, yeah. or or one of the minutes of pod racing, like where it's all pod yeah, racing no, and no dialogue. Right. <laughs> now you could get some Tuscan yeah. Raiders, the, or yeah. the, the Gorfus. I'm not sure. Wait, what is the, what is a politically correct term? Tuscan Raiders. Yes, they mention it. There's a species okay. name. I don't want to get topic, but you you do have to go listen to them talk about the time traveling theory of like the ring theory of why Tuscan Raiders are there shooting at the the pod racers. Did you did you remember no. hearing this? No, I haven't listened through episode right. one completely. <laughs> So I don't think it's their their theory, but there's this someone on the internet, of course, posted like, "What if the Tuscan Raiders are there trying to shoot Anakin Skywalker because they're time travelers and they know what's going to happen?" What? <laughs> and so they go back in time and try to stop him before he becomes Darth Vader. Uh, uh, God the bless the internet. Yeah, yeah. If only they had told Watto. <laughs> no. no chance, Q. No chance. No. You can have the mom. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to have a throwback Thursday moment with the Adam Eaton trade, and I am not talking about the Adam Eaton trade 
of Adam Eaton, the outfielder, to from the White Sox to the Nationals for Lucas Giolito and more. I want to talk about the Adam Eaton, the pitcher, trade. Do either of you guys remember the Adam Eaton, the pitcher trade from the Padres to the Rangers in 2006? Oh, no. That's uh, weird. Huh. Wait. Um, there was a relief pitcher yes. involved. With a good yes, name. there was. It was Akinori Otsuka, who, who was yes. a very good reliever for a couple of years. And he was a very good reliever with the Padres, and he went with Adam Eaton to the Rangers. And he had two, uh, or he had one very good season in Texas and what looks like one abbreviated season in Texas. He was already uh, in his mid-30s by the time he was traded to the Rangers, so he wasn't, uh, uh, I suppose I could look up his wiki to see exactly what happened, but he only pitched two years in Texas. But who went back to San Diego? Oh, no. Please don't tell me Adrian Gonzalez was, tr- was in that trade. It was indeed Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, oh, it was Adrian Gonzalez and also the pitcher Chris Young. Not the outfield Chris Young. The pitcher Chris Young. Yeah. That guy, I mean, like, just hung around forever. Um kind of happy always happy for him because for a guy that didn't throw hard wasn't that good until later when he figured out you know the interesting thing is the pitcher chris young he let's see he was traded between 2005 and 2006 from texas to san diego and then in 2007 he was an all-star with the padres yeah oh really 3.12 era in 173 innings Pretty good year, one twenty eight ERA plus. Yeah, I guess I only he only came on my radar after uh, later when he started. There was a lot of there were a lot of articles about him pitching high, like high in the strike zone, um, in the last couple of years, and how you know he used data to learn what he did well, and and kind of exploit it. But anyway. Adrian Gonzalez was in that trade, though. That's crazy. I always assumed the Padres drafted him for some reason because they always talk about how Theo Epstein was kind of obsessed with now, getting him. And uh, he was with the Padres at the time. He, you know, now here's, the, now here's the thing. But anyway. Do you remember the team that did draft Adrian Gonzalez? Because it, it also was not the Texas uh, Rangers. Oh, no kidding. That's a, yeah. a second trade for him? So he got traded. He got traded four times. Yeah, already, and he got basically. traded, and he got traded twice before he established himself as a major league. Oh, because the, Pod, the Padres were his. I think the I Padres were his first kind of big, uh, where he got like secure yeah. playing time, and it wasn't until he was twenty-four. Did that? Did a West Coast team draft him, or like you know, west of no. Central America? No. no, Mikey, you think you know? Oh, I think it was the Marlins. The Marlins did Mike. draft him, and uh, do you remember for whom they traded him? Oh, trying to think back. This was this. I read all about Gonzalez when he was on the Red Sox. So this was during history. their. This was uh, during their championship season in two thousand. Oh, no. No, sorry. They won. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Marlins. Sorry. But they didn't have, uh, they didn't have Yvonne Rodriguez for a year. They did. did. They? The Marlins did have Rodriguez, uh, but he signed with Florida as a free agent in 2003. Oh. Wow. Oh, God. I think that's as close as I can get. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So I, <laughs> I had, uh, I had recording challenges for a second and uh, restarted the recording. And in the time that I was restarting the recording, Nick and Mike looked up that it was in fact Ugetherbina who was traded for Adrian Gonzalez in the 2000. And he had a four ERA in Texas before they. Yeah, I know. But he was dominant <laughs> in Florida. That's crazy, right? Like yeah, ERA plus. 
in Florida. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but this was this was a year after being an all-star with the Red Sox. So they didn't uh, buy into the short sample size. Right. Right. And you know what? The Marlins won the World Series. And flags fly forever. And screw them. But <laughs> it's fine. You know? We, we got ours. That's right. It's over, over it. <laughs> Bartman got it. Got his uh, his ring, and uh, right exactly, exactly. Uh, Uget Urbina against the Cubs in the NLCS, a two point five seven earned run average, one save, seven innings pitched. For us, okay, so he pitched. Uh, he was pitching more than an inning per appearance. He had four games and seven innings pitched. And he had ten strikeouts in those seven innings. A very, a very robust .286 WHIP. Huh. Those are some weird stats to put together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, Nick, I do want to ask you because uh, Major League Baseball's newest park is open right in your backyard. Actually, it's not quite in your backyard. It's a little yeah. further away than the uh, than the old park was. But SunTrust Park is open now in Cobb County, home of the Big Chicken. And I wanted to see if uh, you've had a chance to make it out there and how has the experience been for you? Um, so I've been there twice. I went uh, in mid-June, again in mid-July. I saw the Giants play in mid-June, and I saw the Cubs play in mid-July. And um, there were some differences in the experience. Obviously, the Cubs games in Atlanta sell like crazy. I mean, as they do other places, I guess. Um, you get sold-out crowds, you know, elevated ticket prices, elevated parking fees, all that when the Cubs come to town, even when the Braves were doing poor, were doing, you know, like last year when they were just in their old stadium running out the clock, it was a, a, a madhouse. Um, so this is, you know, what we got into a little bit earlier was um, they definitely tried to do a little more of the nouveau, like old school style um, stadium at SunTrust in terms of the field itself. It's uh, got the nice brick wall in right field. Um, they took their bullpens. Their bullpens used to run like from the fence towards the stands, so they ran away from home plate. Now they run like from the out. Like the visiting bullpen runs from the left field line uh, towards center field. So it's kind of nice because uh, fans don't have to crowd around to see the pitchers warming up, um, there's a little bit easier to, to check out and you can see them from all over the stadium, not just right next to the bullpens. Um, which meant I got to see Jeff Samarja warm up, um, because the giants game tickets were so cheap. I bought them like two seats or two rows back in the left field bleachers. Um, the other nice thing is their bleachers, at least in left field are covered now. So when it first started raining, and this has happened a lot in in the new ballpark is uh, rain delays. But we get to this game, it starts raining. Um, for the first 10 or 15 minutes, we didn't have to move. Uh, and then suddenly there was some kind of uh, almost like a, what do you call it, like a whirlwind effect in the ballpark. Because uh, suddenly it was raining sideways, like inside the stadium. Um, and that's the main thing oh, I can oh really God. relate right now about SunTrust is there's a lot of rain um the city as a whole has had a lot of rain in the summer, but I think where their stadium sits is kind of where the weather patterns tend to, for some reason, drift in that general direction. So they kind of hit the city from the west. Um, SunTrust is in the northwest corner of the city. Um, it's technically a city of Atlanta, but Cobb County, like you said. And the weather will run, for example, it'll be raining there, but not raining where I live. Um, in addition, at the Cubs game, um, we were sitting behind home plate in the upper deck, uh, which is not bad. It's, it's pretty intimate. And I looked over to my right at one point, and it was raining, um, like in the first base bleachers. 
but it was not raining where I was sitting. So, yeah, weird baseball all around. What? And and as I mentioned, um, they've had a at least a couple games where they had walk off hits and no one there to to uh, watch them because it was like two a.m. So I have probably spent a, almost a hundred dollars per inning of baseball watched at SunTrust, and I'm sure I'm not alone. And I'm also sure that this is probably cutting into the Braves' profits. You know, this nice new ballpark. They're selling tickets. Um, <clears throat> but I wonder what it's doing to their revenue to have games starting at 9 o'clock on weeknights on a regular basis. Um, yeah. So I can't be good. Because of the rain. But they, they've done a nice job of They worked with the... Um, there are a lot of businesses around the ballpark. There are, like There's some banks and things. So they've got parking um, that it isn't just like some dude in a lawn chair, you know, that you hope will watch your car. Um, it's like, you know, official Braves parking, even though it's not in their official lot. Um, and then they have some lots a little bit farther away from the field. You walk like maybe a quarter mile. Um, and I mean, to guys who are used to going to Fenway and Wrigley, I'm sure to you, Walking a quarter mile is not a big deal, right? I mean, that's not the end of the world. No, I frequently yeah. walk the mile and a half from my home to Wrigley. Yeah, yeah. That's quite nice, yeah. So, um, not a big deal. You walk over the interstate, it's kind of weird to look at, like cars driving. Wait, you walk oh, oh, yeah. oh, over the interstate. You walk over, yeah, okay. there's, a, there's a, um, a road. Like it's a walking dead. Right, right. It's not really a pedestrian bridge. It's just a road with a very wide sidewalk. They they widen it, oh, I see. Um, so that there's plenty of room to, to walk. But I don't. And then for the for the Giants game, we paid like thirty dollars and parked right behind the stadium and walked right in. Um, I have yet to see. There's a really nice like courtyard out front of the ballpark, but I don't know who uses that or uses that entrance because everyone I know comes in from the parking side from like the parking decks and that brings you in like the third base side of the stadium which is you know just a general entrance gate uh, not a big deal um, but they have this cool like courtyard when you come in from the main side from the battery side uh, they call this structure they built around the stadium the battery it's like shopping and, and I'm sure there's a, uh, a waffle house uh, yeah what do you call it yeah waffle house or whatever there at some point but um Anyway, that's the experience, I guess, is it rains a lot, and you have to walk a little to get to the park. Uh, once you're in, the park looks nice. The field looks nice, anyway. And my, my main complaint is that in the upper deck, where, um, you know, there's a lot of seats, um, like, during the Cubs game, I couldn't get... I could hardly get from the the escalator, I t- or the stairs I took up, um, and then back to my seats, because... There's no room to move. Like the concessions are right on top of the seats, almost, um, which is probably convenient if you're in the in the stands and you want to just hop out and get a drink or a you know, hot dog real quick. But when you're trying to actually move around and there's no airflow and there's you know hundreds of people just standing there, it, it doesn't feel good. Um, so I don't know what they were thinking. Like if other ballparks have a similar problem, um, I realized like at Turner Field it was built for the Olympics, so the like giant um, amount of room they had in the upper deck, I don't know what you call it, the concession areas, um, may not be typical for other stadiums, obviously, but I've, the stadiums I've been to in my life, other than Wrigley, um, are mostly, like, older stadiums, like, uh, I've been to, you know, the Metrodome growing up, and, and Riverfront Stadium in, in Cincinnati, and a lot of other stadiums that don't fit the current mold of ballparks so it's it's i don't know it's a strange experience it doesn't feel right um that people feel kind of crammed in um into that area at all into the concession areas around the the upper deck um and i don't know if that'll be a problem long term or not um you have to have a lot of people to game to make that a problem and right now, I, I don't know if, you know, the current state of the Braves is going to maintain. Like, the attendance is up for sure, but I don't know if it's going to maintain if they can't get it together. So I don't know how that compares to, like, I mean, you guys mentioned parking at Wrigley, uh, parking near Wrigley and Fenway. Um, like, we paid $30 to park for a game, and we walked across the street, and then we were there. Um, probably not the same thing uh, in Boston or Chicago. 
Or are we? That's pretty good. I mean, it's been a long time since I've it's been a long time since I've driven to a Cubs game, but yeah. so <laughs> I imagine the uh, prices have gone up since since the last time. But you know, I frequently see signs for forty and fifty dollars in when you're within a couple blocks of the park. A little further out, it's probably like twenty five to thirty, depending on the the game. Back in the when when we were in the playoffs the last couple of years, it's you know it gets as high as like a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's crazy for and half a mile away. Lately. So they're just like hitting up the out of towners basically because nobody. Oh, basically, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, crazy. Um, but yeah, it's it's like the stadium itself. The field looks nice. Um, I've read reports that on the hottest days of the summer, it gets to like a hundred and twenty on the field Yikes. where the players are. So I don't know if that's just the way it is or if it has something to do with the way they built the stadium uh, with the field. If it doesn't get, you know, um, on the field, if they don't get as much of a a nice little breeze or something. But that sounds uh, a little rough. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's like not, it's not like they, they went crazy as far as, trying to be like a, a, you know, bleeding edge ballpark in terms of like the technology and the, um, you know, food and beer selection. But it kind of just checks all the boxes of like, you know, you can get sushi in the stadium. You can get, um, there's a climbing wall and and like behind center field that kids can can climb on during the game if they don't want to watch the game uh, for some reason. (laughs) I don't. I just. That's what I don't get. It's like they have. Like, yeah, we have a kids zone. It has a climbing wall and like some other stuff. And I'm like, like if I'm gonna go to a climbing wall, I'll just take my kid to like a climbing center. Um, we don't have to pay <laughs> fifty dollars a head to, you know, go to a baseball stadium for that. But um, I guess people are into that kind of thing. So yeah, in in my life, I've spent about seventy two hours in Atlanta. Uh, it was for a conference when I was in college. And I didn't think of Atlanta as the type of city that was known for its sushi. But how is the sushi at SunTrust Park? <laughs> and is it uh, worth it? All I can report is I saw people eating it. It was more, um, I think, uh, rolls maybe than sushi itself. Like, right? So it was uh, more of like the California roll. Okay. Uh, a salmon, like the pork type roll, so it looked edible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was surprised because they actually uh, scale back on the more like local eateries at the new stadium, or not scale back. They just don't have them at the old stadium. They had a local restaurant that does these like amazing cheeseburgers. It's called Holman Finch. It's actually featured on the um, on the layover, which was. Um, uh, Bourdain's show that he did just real briefly between things and he comes to Atlanta and, and he goes to cities and he spends 24 hours and just like hits everything and so in Atlanta the one of the things he hit was Home and Finch and he highlighted at uh, 10 p.m. every night uh, when they're open they sell cheeseburgers they just you know they make they make them and they sell as many as they have and then that's it um, but and they, they sold and these they open the- at 10 p.m. Well, no, the the cheeseburgers go on sale at 10 p.m. Oh. So you have to be in the restaurant already. Um, it's hard to describe why they're so good, but they just taste amazing. And well, you're they describing, these... what you're describing is an experience. That That's right, is, an experience. That extends right. beyond the cheeseburger itself. Sure, sure. And then they, they brought them to uh, Turner Field. So the – I mean, you know, it was normal. You just go up and you order your hamburger. But it was – probably the best hamburger I've ever had at a, at a baseball stadium. And none of that translated to the new park. And I'm not sure why, like they don't have the home and the finch. They don't have uh, a lot of craft beer. Like if you want craft beer, there's one choice. It's a local brewery called Terrapin. It's, it's uh, near Athens, which is like 40 minutes away from Atlanta. And everything else is like Miller light or Coors light. Um, so, or I guess Budweiser probably is there too because they sponsor everything in, in baseball. But um, it seems like the, the details took a step back. 
So, I don't, what, is, what does Wrigley sell? They, I mean, they sell Old Style, obviously, and they sell Budweiser. But do they have like some like Goose Island or? Well, first, well, first of all, shout out, shout out to Athens, home of REM and much of the Elephant Six Collective. Shout out, okay. Athens. Um, yeah. The uh, so at Wrigley, they've actually scaled back on old style quite a bit. I think you can only get old style at one or two stands, and you have to go to them. They no longer have old style vendors. So the the main ones are uh, usually someone will have a Bud and Bud Light tray, and then there are people with Goose Island trays. Ah. So. And then the Goose Island trays are, they have the the 312 Urban Wheat, and they have the Green Line Pale Ale that are uh, fair, pretty widely available. And those are the ones that are available at pretty much every concession stand as well. So they, they do have some craft beer choices, but they are at specific stands that you have to yeah. go to the concourse and seek out. And the concourse at Wrigley Field is not always the most fun place to be. You will often lose at least an inning, yeah. so depending it's, it's on your timing. It's bad there as well, I guess, is, is what I was trying to get to. Um, yeah. It's, it's, bad at, it's bad at Wrigley, but I'm also a little more understanding of it because it seems like a lot of the... I mean, the concession stands have basically been retrofit into yeah, this 100-year-old yeah. stadium that where... Where when they built it, they did not have the array of concessions that they do today. Right. Whereas in SunTrust, they just built it, and it was built yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was built yesterday. And in the concourse, up in the upper deck, it sucks. It's like you definitely. I didn't. I didn't want to leave my seat after I got into it. It was so bad at the Cubs game. Um, and I guess maybe they looked at like Wrigley. I wondered if they looked at other stadiums, and they're like, "Well, it's bad everywhere, so let's not worry about it." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a good solution to the problem. So anyway, yeah. What is the uh, have Have you guys uh, okay? Here's a question: What's the best food or drink promotion at a ballpark for a game you've so attended? Food or drink. I don't know. I ask this because I asked this because I went to a White Sox game last week and it was Dollar Hot Dog Day, and I restrained my. It was a it was an afternoon game and I restrained myself, uh, in part because I didn't eat lunch before the game, so I really I could have gone all out and just like oh man Dollar Hot Dogs let me just buy one every time a vendor goes by, but I didn't I controlled myself I limited my number. I limited my hot dog intake, but it did get me thinking as to what best food or drink promotion was at a game I had attended. And I think it's probably Dollar Dogs um, because, you know, I'm trying to remember if I did go to a game at Wrigley where they had a beer special, like in one of the bad years, right, in the in the 2011 to 2013 range but i actually don't think they did i can't think of one i've even been to it's funny for food or drink specials other than like buying discount packages when we had like oh yeah okay yeah 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 we're like they'll occasionally sell like hey if you have six people you know you can get like the food and tickets and all that together I did sit in the premium seats at the te- at, at Turner Field, uh, the TED, a couple times, and you can order from your seats. Um, That's pretty rad. They were given to me. And that is an amazing experience because it's completely different food than you can go get in the concessions, I think. Um, or at least it's, it's easy. You know, like, instead of searching all over the ballpark for, like, something you want, like, you just order from whatever you want, and they bring it to you. And, I mean... <laughs> Right. All concessions to be that way, really. That was awesome. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't really noticed in Atlanta having a whole lot of, you know, other than the minor league teams. There's um, Gwinnett, Rome uh, are just northeast and northwest of the city by an hour or so each. And um, they definitely do, like, Dollar Dog or, you know, soft drink specials. Um, 
um, that I haven't been able to make it to. My my best giveaway ever though was at a, uh, I think it was the first Cubs game I ever went to. They gave away child sized bats, like full size bats, but whoa, you know, that's size. dangerous. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Well, who would do that? <laughs> uh, somewhere I think we still have one of them. Like we we checked one, but we kept one just because. Who would believe you? <laughs> like, I went to a baseball game and they gave away like, you know, little league sized bats. Um, would, <laughs> you know, probably cheaply made, but nonetheless. Oh, so not not the mini bats. No, you made an actual bat that a that but you could, like a child could use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, with the smaller, like, Little League-sized barrels, but wood, not, you know, but, like, actual wood bats. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know if if they were the real deal. Like, if you tried to hit a ball with one, if it would just, like, shatter the bat. Um, but I, I mean, I've seen people throw magnets on fields, and that's, you know, almost dangerous. So. <laughs> that's dangerous. Don't throw magnets yeah. on a field. Yeah. No. <laughs> Mike, do you have do you have uh, a uh, food promo? Well, here at uh, America's most beloved ballpark, with the highest ticket prices in baseball, we don't really the Red Sox don't really do promos. Oh yeah, they don't really they don't really have to. No. Uh, oh, although this was a topic on an episode of Effectively Wild, wasn't it? Or was it on The Ringer? I, there was an episode where Ben was talking to like uh, one of the promo people and they were talking about their strategies of when to schedule promo days. And it is actually, and they discovered that it was actually okay to schedule their promo days on uh, games that were likely to be sellouts anyway, because it still, it still gets people really excited. You feel better about paying. Well, or, or am I just imagining this episode? I don't. I don't remember it, but I. I haven't listened to every single episode for sure. Um, I think I have listened to more of percentage-wise the Ringer shows because you know there's only so many of them. Um, right. And there's a thousand effective, thousand something effective wild episodes. So this is true. This is yeah, true. I got so a uh, quick story. I got into a car accident one morning while listening to Effectively Wild, so I stopped oh, no. listening to it out of superstition for about a month. Uh, this was a couple <laughs> of years ago. I'm just saying. So I I missed a, a good number of episodes for a while there. <laughs> With that type of superstition, you could find yourself on a major league roster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> now that now that I'm remembering, I did go to one game with a beer promotion it was a minor league game i was in columbus ohio for for an americorps i was and i went to the columbus clippers game and they had like 64 ounce beers for like seven bucks it was uh i made my way through one of them it was it could have been it could have been a crazier night than it was yeah, I was going to say, beer promotions sound dangerous to me because, like, it's a minor league ballpark. People are already not, like, going to respect the game <laughs> when they get there. Um, it's already cheap, like, you know, buying tickets and, and buying alcohol and food at minor league games is, is nothing compared to a major league game. Um, I always feel like they, they're, they're really tempting fate when they drop the prices of alcohol at a minor league stadium. Um, oh, the other crazy thing was last call. So when I went to the Cubs game, uh, to, to jump them back on, on beer just real quick, uh, last call was at like 9, 9.30. So forget about the like seventh inning rule. Like they just cut off beer at like the second or third inning because of the rain delay that started the game. Uh, at like 8.50 p.m. So I don't know if you can imagine going to a baseball game where you can't buy beer after like the second inning. It'd probably be, you know, better for people, but... All right. Uh, We're going to wrap it up with one final thing today. Um, And that's, in case you missed it, for Players Weekend, which is coming up, in a couple of weeks across Major League Baseball, players will be wearing nicknames 
on the back of their jerseys. And at this point, we've had about a day to sit with them, and I wanted to do a quick draft of jersey nicknames. And uh, I determined the order of this draft by the last, the date of last baseball game attended, starting with the most recent. So I went to uh, Sox and Cubs games last week. Nick went in mid-July, and Mike went at the end of June. So that's the order in which we're going to pick. And I am... We'll go four rounds of Jersey nicknames, and I am kicking this off with Kyle Seeger and his nickname, Corey's Brother. (laughs) That's a good one. I love the self-deprecating Jersey name. And that is as good as it gets. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love that he gets the fact that he's like Corey's blessing his brother. Even though he's really good on his own, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, is it, sorry, is it mean? Is it, who's up now? Oh, yeah, it's you. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, I, God, it's really hard. There's so many good, uh, good candidates. Um, I'm going to go, because I don't, I don't know, I don't understand this one, but uh, the Pirates, David Freeze, uh, his jersey says Dave Human. Um, it's kind of weird looking, I don't know. Um, it's it's not the most out there one, but it's just strange. Like, where did, I, I want to know where some of these came from. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, also because David Freeze is, I think, in the minds of some fans of some teams, much more important than he actually is. Um, because he obviously he had that incredible run in the in the playoffs in the World Series with the Cardinals. And he was supposed to be like an important piece for the Angels. And that didn't work out. Um, I don't know. We'll see where the uh, Pirates go from here, I guess. So, I'll take Dave Human with the freeze. Dig it. Let's see if Mike has anything to help on Okay, I'm going to take another pirate. Number 38, Jeff Francoeur, Frenchie. Oh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's Wade LeBlanc, but <laughs> he also picked Jeff Francoeur's nickname, so it's kind of like two picks in one. That's pretty great. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> I want to, for my second pick, I am taking a Yankee. I am picking Aaron Hicks and his nickname A.A. Ron uh, because I am very appreciative of the key and peel joke that I try and work into my lexicon whenever there is someone whose name is Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> That's say <A>. Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's cool. I, so here's a question. I'm looking at, um, this is Bettis Family Barbecue Twitter account. I've been looking at it for the last couple of days because they've been posting these as they find ones. Yes. Yes, they oh. have. Yes, they have. That is a, that is a good, these are all, real. uh, that is a good okay. cheat. Yeah. And so the one that, that they posted that has been in my mind for the last few days is, uh, Michael Blazik for the Milwaukee Brewers, number 54. And he is uh, used the nickname Just Blaze on the back of his. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that uh, as a professional athlete in any sport. Um, but they don't test. For pretty it, sure that could get you a suspension. But yeah, you wouldn't know. They don't test for marijuana, right? In in Major League Baseball, like only in the minors, is my understanding. Uh, maybe yeah. I'm wrong on that, but. Uh, Anyway, because we know that, uh, what's his name, um, former Brave, Jordan, uh, center fielder, uh, he got traded to the Astros, and uh, shortly after that, ended up with uh, an arrest for uh, carrying a, a huge bag of marijuana in his car. So I'm guessing there are more, you know, under the radar just blazers in MLB than, than we know about, and that's fine. That's not my thing. I'm just going to put it out there. But uh, it's pretty funny just to see this on the back of his jersey. Yeah. 
And, you know, if, uh, if that Huffington Post article is to be believed, there are uh, people doing things much heavier than just blazing. Oh, really? Crazy. I, you know, I like to assume the best of these guys, but who the hell knows? Uh, anyway, I'll turn it over to Mike after that, I guess. Okay. I'm going to select Stephen Piscotti, who's wearing the nickname Momo. Which, I'm going to assume he's a big kind of cryptozoology fan, and he's referring to Momo the Missouri Monster. Ah. <laughs> wow. Well, that out. It's, according to Wikipedia, he was born in Pleasanton, California, so he's not really a Missouri Monster, but he does play in Missouri now, so maybe he picked it up. Nice. Hey, any friend of Bigfoot is a friend of mine. Yeah. All right. Um, mine, my next pick is okay. I'm leaving one on the board because I think it's because I think they might be there in the last one. But I want to pick Josh Fegley of the Oakland A's, who went with EPBNL as his ah. I want to pick, uh, yeah, I'm picking Josh Fegley, who went with PTBNL as his player nickname, player to be named later. That's a great one. That's an awesome one. Um, I, I love the self-deprecating nickname. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that was, uh, that's next level, next level nicknaming. Definitely. I, um, yeah, tough choices. Um, my next one yeah I'll go ahead um I'm gonna take Aaron Judge number 99 uh who just put all rise on the back of his and it's the opposite of double facing Like, I don't think any player went as hard in this direction as he did, even though he seems to be a pretty level-headed kid. Um, you know, it's pretty funny. I guess that, yeah, what is the nickname for Aaron Judge? Because, like, he's the judge, but that's pretty boring because that's just his name. Um, so I guess all right, I had to do that one. So I'll, I'll take it. Um, I uh, I clung to him in auto, auto new uh, last year. People wanted him. You know, it was like a throw-in in trades uh, when he had that really bad uh, call-up. And uh, whoever got my auto new team in the advantage of the pen league, I'm going to say you're welcome. Because uh, <laughs> all rise, yeah, he's on your team now. So anyway, that's mine. Okay, I'm going to choose Xander Bogarts, who was simple. It's sophisticated. Just pick the letter X. Not X-Man. Not anything complicated. One character. It's very classy. Yeah. That is very classy. Simple. A lot of straight lines. Okay, for my last pick, I am going with someone who was recently traded. I'm going to go with Jay Bruce, who is... Uh, no longer on the Mets, but his his jersey name is Bruce. That's three U's. We uh, I appreciate it. We love yeah. yeah. Like Uga Therbina. Wait. <laughs> uh, I guess yeah, the Indians picked him up. I was going to say if, if he was on the if the Royals had picked him up, he'd be on the same team as. It's kind of confusing. Bacchus. Um All right, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to, with my last pick, speaking, speaking of the Royals, player, I was going to say big fan of the podcast. It's actually the podcast, effectively, well, I was a big fan of Brandon Maurer. Brandon Maurer. Uh, and he he chose uh, Maurer Power for his jersey. I just thought it was it was kind of funny. I don't know. It's, it's, it's cute. <laughs> uh Something that rolls off the tongue and 
I don't know if that's an official nickname for Brandon Power or not. I always feel like he's a, a good guy. And uh, oh, hey, there's my. <laughs> did y'all hear that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Hi, Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> Going back to that one, uh, Brendan Maurer, that's my guy. That's guess, what I'm wrapping up with. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go back to the Pirates well and go with Yvonne Nova, a.k.a. Supernova, which could either be he's as powerful as a star or he's going to implode on the mound. But I'll take it. Supernova. <laughs> This is not shoving over. Right. I want to give uh, whatever the opposite of a shout out is to the people who went with their names as their nicknames. So that means you, John Lester. That means you, Joe Maurer, uh, for being no fun. But it sounds <laughs> like by doing that, he embraces what people think of him. So I'm, I'm going to with that. Oh, yeah, and Brian McCann. Yeah, that's another one that I saw as I was scrolling through these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Springer, too, is just Springer. Unless uh, unless that's uh, unless that's someone else who decided to call himself Springer. At least Lorenzo Cain went with Low Cain. Uh, that's what they call him, right? Is that, that's what him? Yeah. Like, you, you at least add some letters, you know? Well, um, O for the Cardinals, uh, just his Korean name. Oh. Like, put his name on his jersey. In, I think I think that, that's pretty cool. I yeah, yeah, sure. Cool. Um, unless it says Final Boss. I can't read Korean. I assume it's his name. But if you wrote Final Boss, that would be boss uh, as hell. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's what it says, actually. So we'll have to find out. So, so what do we think of Corey Seager just putting his last name? Like, do you think do you think the brothers planned this out? No, no. I think it should have. <laughs> no, i I think he, I think he should have gone with Corey. Well, one because that that itself would be a very solid Simpsons reference, and two because I think it's it's kind of. It kind of has that XFL vibe to it. The uh, the he hate me, and uh, there was a response. It was like so one player was he hate me, and then another one was like me hate he or something. And so <laughs> I think this this would be the uh, the res- the the call and response, right? Oh, I'm Corey, and then oh, I'm Corey's brother. Yeah. Yes. But alas, not so much. Just Seeger. How, uh, how boring. Anyway, all right, cool. That is, uh, that's gonna do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you to uh, to Mike and Nick for hopping on. Hey, Nick, where can people find you on the internet these days? Um, just uh, mostly on Twitter at Caps Orphans. And um, hopefully be uh, contributing more to Vanish the Pen uh, after I uh, move homes and get settled in uh, later this year. Very nice. And Mike, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at at Mike Carlucci on Twitter. Uh, You can see me writing stuff on Over the Monster. Or if you are into crazy 80s movies, you can listen to Return to Oz Minute. But one minute at a time. You're probably scared of wheelers, and that's all there is. I'm terrified of them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, I'm Brandon Lee. You can find me on Twitter at Flea Internets. You can follow Banished to the Pen on Twitter at Banished to Pen. You can also read the latest post on Banished to the Pen at BanishedToThePen.com. And uh, we hope to be bringing you podcasts a little more regularly starting now and at least through the end of the playoffs so uh keep an eye out thank you for subscribing leave us a review check out the website follow us on twitter like us on facebook and uh, we really appreciate it we really do um if you're interested in writing for banished to the pen 
uh, please do drop us a line. You can find our contact information on our Facebook page as well as on our website, banishedthepen.com. And that will do it for tonight. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Nick. And uh, thank you for listening in. And uh, to sign off as we always do, please remember to be nice to your fellow listeners. <laughs>